We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Tuesday, June 27th. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. James, last time we talked was the morning of the NBA draft. So you and I have talked quite a bit about what, what went down in New York on Thursday, uh, but we haven't been able to do that in a podcast platform. So we'll recap the NBA draft. We'll give our winners, our losers. We'll, we'll talk about that Bulls-Timberwolves trade. We'll get into some Paul George stuff, some Carmelo stuff. But first, I have a feeling I already know the answer to this question, partially because I already asked you earlier today and partially because I know if I hadn't even done that, I still would have known what you were going to say. Did you watch a single second of last night's NBA award show? I did not. I actually, not only did I not watch it, I did not know it was on. So I was not, oh. I was not even purposely avoiding it. I was just so... Like it was so far off my radar that I just I had no idea it was even on. Sure. Did you watch anything instead? I watched uh me and uh me and the fiance have been rewatching the Sopranos, so I watched uh watched sure. a couple episodes of Sopranos sure. and then uh, called it a night. So you checked Twitter and we're like, what is the show that is happening? What are all these people talking about? Why is Russell Westbrook crying? I did not check Twitter. 
fair. I look. I I unplugged when I got back from playing <laughs> basketball for the night, and it's good to unplug and just plug into the Sopranos <laughs> for the night. Uh, well, it was hosted by a close personal friend of both of ours, Drake. Sure. Um, I think I feel a little bit more favorable toward Drake than you do, but I thought Drake did a pretty good job. There were a few awkward moments when they kind of went off the cuff and then interviewed some players who were clearly not prepared for said interviews. It's an awkward one with James Harden where they asked him to name his favorite MVP ever. And he just did not submit an answer. He thought about it for 10 seconds and then just said, I don't know. And they moved on. (laughs) And yeah, there's a similar moment with Draymond green, Uh, but Drake had a, he had a great monologue to begin the show um and that that kind of bought him some credibility he did change outfits a bunch of times i think five different times and he ended the show wearing like a a peacoat cardigan similar to the outfit that he was wearing on the cover of his comeback season mixtape um but two chains performed Nicki minaj performed russell westbrook won the mvp and the most popular take I, i think on twitter after the award show was that Everybody was full on Team Westbrook because he gave a really emotional acceptance speech, and that seemed to wash away most of the hatred that that anybody was throwing his way for how he got to be the MVP. Okay, well, I'm I'm I mean, extremely happy that I did not watch it after yeah. after that breakdown. It sounds absolutely terrible. See, I thought it was not good to be honest. Like the presentation overall, I watched it with with both my roommates, and there were a couple times we looked at each other like this is horrible, this is going terribly. But then afterward. Most of the most of the people were like, "Yeah, that was pretty good." You know, I got to say that was all right. It'll be back next year. Like, I I think it will be back next year oh, because I it'll think, definitely be back. I think, yeah, I think it will. I like, think the NBA really wants it to be back. It's it's a ratings draw. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure right. people tuned in. I mean, probably more people tuned in to watch that than anything else yeah. to do with sports last night. Well, there weren't many options. I think the college baseball World Series was on. Yeah, it was just Monday night what, baseball. What type was of on. baseball do you want to watch versus right. the NBA World Show? Yeah. Oh, the big three was re aired on uh, like a twenty four hour tape delay last yeah. night as well. But like Amin Al Hassan on Twitter was kind of the one of the main detractors who was saying like you can't have a successful award show when Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James don't show up to this thing. Basically the only people who showed up were the award winners and a few of their teammates. Well, from what I just saw, you know, we have ESPN in the in the office on on mute uh, for the most of the morning, and I saw a video of Westbrook accepting the award with what looked like all of his teammates. So there were only five, I believe. Okay, Cantor, Robertson, Collison, Oladipo was there because he was accepting Dunk of the Year, and someone else who I'm forgetting. Okay, well. I mean, to me, that that adds a whole another uh, un- unintentional comedy wrinkle to mm-hmm. it. In that, like, he pretty much made most of his teammates slightly worse all season long, and they all showed up to support him as he won MVP. No, he so. was he was humble about it. Although he did, I, and I think he meant well, this. Well, obviously, in a way. like you, you that's like right. You can't let somebody if you didn't think he was the mvp what type of speech is going right. to legitimately win you over to, i mean like obviously yeah. this is something he's been practicing with you know all, all of his reps and everything i mean it's it's not that hard for a guy like russell westbrook to act emotional when he's winning mm-hmm. something that he clearly clearly really really wanted yeah i think the tears you know nobody quite expected that <laughs> him, but i mean there was no doubt 
to me, like if, <laughs> if you didn't think that he wanted the MVP all season long, then I mean I mean, I don't know if I've ever wanted anything nearly like one tenth of the as much as Westbrook wanted to win MVP right. this year. So like it's not surprising at all that he was emotional. It just right. doesn't make doesn't mean he should have won the MVP. Yeah, I wish there would have been a shot of him like let sprawled out on the ground bawling like jordan after he won the finals <laughs> shortly after his father was killed <laughs> westbrook just embracing the mvp trophy um but the awards went about as expected obviously russ was the mvp draymond was defensive player of the year d'antoni coach of the year Giannis most improved eric gordon won the sixth man yeah i guess that was basically down to him and lou williams that was probably the one with the most suspense uh malcolm brogdon ended up winning rookie of the year by a pretty good margin uh, and the rest of these I don't really care about. Teammate of the year, hustle award. Can we community uh, cares? Can we agree that the coach of the year was the worst choice of of all the winners? I think like I don't think Westbrook should have won MVP, but I think he's got a better case than D'Antoni does for coach of the year. Personally, I think that that, that was, is that how you thought at the end of the regular season, or are you saying like now what we know now given what happened in the playoffs? No, I I think just at the end of the I mean like. I don't know. I, to me, it just was. I would have gone Spolstra. Really, really good uh, signings by the front office um, in Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson. Like the Anderson one was obvious. Like everyone had thought they were going to be the team to sign him. They signed him. Eric Gordon ended up being an amazing signing. The the Lou Williams trade ended up being great. Uh, and James Harden ended up putting forth a you know a a season on par with the guy that won the MVP. And all D'Antoni basically had them do was just run his – I mean, the only thing he did that I think maybe you could say certain coaches wouldn't have done is is make James Harden the point guard. Like, that, yeah. the offense they ran is basically just a type of offense they've been trying to run ever since James Harden got there, and they finally had enough pieces for it to mm-hmm. run smoothly, and James Harden was playing – about as well as he could play so to me like you you can't put a guy like that who's just kind of plugging and playing over a guy like Eric Spolster or a guy like Greg Popovich who I would have voted for uh I mean I think you could probably even make I, I think you can make a case for a guy like Brad Stevens over over D'Antoni I think you make a case for a guy like Quinn Snyder over D'Antoni uh just you know a handful of other guys where they're they seem to be kind of unlocking levels in guys that we didn't know was, was necessarily possible. Or, I mean, Spolster is obviously the biggest example of that, mm-hmm. but I, I also, to me, I mean, what, what Greg Popovich did with a team that really had one great player and a bunch of flawed players to, to be the, one of the top three teams in the league, I thought was enough to win it. And I think we all agree that he's the best coach. I think the Rockets underachieving last year too set this up. Yeah, you know, it's like they weren't as bad as they should have, exactly. or they were worse than they should have been last year, which made this year's team, I think, look better. That, you know, relative to that, that's the best way to pick a manager of the year, coach of the year, whatever, like whatever sport you're in. Just find the team that super underachieved last year, made a coaching change, yeah. and like, oh, there you go. Exactly. All right, let's get to the draft. Um, I know where did, did you watch the whole thing start to finish? Yeah. I'm proud of you for making it through the second round. That that one dragged on quite a bit. The first round I felt like took a while, um, longer than it usually does, and that's saying quite a bit. Like I they, was my my focus as the second round went on started to 
to dwindle, but it, mm-hmm. it was on at the uh, the house I was right. at the entire time. Well, it's tough, too, when you get to round two because it seems like half the time the team that's announced as making the pick is not actually holding the pick. And the NBA, you know, whatever process you have to go through to trade a pick on draft night, there's a two-hour delay or so where, you know, you hear about it on Twitter. Like for the, you know, the let's just, any pick that was traded, you know, the 13th pick ended up being Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think Denver held that pick and then traded it to Utah. And it was like middle of the second round where Deputy Commissioner Tatum walks up there and announces, we have a trade. And like, and if you're in the audience, you know, as I was and as a lot of other people were, you're thinking, okay, is he going to announce something that we heard about two hours ago? Or is he going to announce something, you know, maybe bigger that we didn't know about? And almost every time it was something that that had happened a while ago. So that made things very confusing for Rotowire, at least on a coverage end, because we had we had guys writing up stories on players for the wrong team. Uh, but we got that sorted out. I thought it was a fun night. It was a hell of a lot more fun than last year's draft just because you were able to get excited about players in the middle of the second round. Whereas last year, after we got beyond pick, what, nine, you kind of felt like everything after that didn't really matter. And as we saw things play out last year, that kind of ended up being the case. But um, I guess we'll start with let's start with the teams that you thought came away winners. Um on Thursday night, I think the obvious one for me was Minnesota. And one, they got a guy that I liked in the draft. They got Justin Patton um, at number 16. That was the original Bulls pick that went to Minnesota in the trade that brought Jimmy Butler to the Timberwolves. It didn't, to me, when it when the trade first broke, I was like, okay, you know, this, this is definitely favorable for Minnesota, but it's not terrible for Chicago. And the more I thought about it, the more I really don't like this for the Bulls. Yeah, no, I mean the the T Wolves were were the obvious winner, uh, and for reasons that were mostly had nothing to do with anyone they drafted. I mean, I, I agree that Patton was a nice pick at where they got him, uh, a pick that they probably shouldn't have been making. I mean, that's you you can pick apart that trade in in a variety of ways, but the the biggest beef I think that that obviously jumps out right away is like why why did they get a pick back? You know that you'd you'd think the Bulls would have gotten to keep their pick and gotten uh, the seven pick, so yeah, big big night if you're a T Wolves fan. Uh, I think the Kings had a had a decent night. I know that that's like I I don't actually think De'Aaron Fox was necessarily the best guy at five. I think Jonathan Isaac was the best guy uh, there, and and if they had taken Isaac, then you had a guy like. Malik Monk who was available at 10 or Donovan Mitchell if you liked him more and you could have gotten guard forward instead they trade down which I think you know everyone just immediately says oh that's that's absolutely terrible like how do you trade down there well I like Zach Collins more than than Harry Giles or Justin Jackson but I don't think it's that far off on either guy I think I think it's nice to Justin Jackson's a guy that you can plug right in and, and he fills a need. And then Harry Giles is just another lottery ticket, uh, kind of like Scalabissier last year. And so I, I don't mind that. And then I, I like Frank Mason, uh, where they end up getting him. Uh, I like, you know, we, we'd been predicting that the Mavs might get Dennis Smith, but I think the fact that he actually ended up being there was pretty huge for them. I think he, he fits in really seamlessly right away and, Gives, makes that team just so much more watchable than they they would have been without him because now you've got Smith, 
Barnes, Nowitzki, Nerlens Noel. Like that's still not a playoff team, but it's at least got NBA players on it at most of the positions. And um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, was it was there anyone else that that really stood out to you? Well, first of all, I didn't I didn't like the Kings trading out a ten, uh, mostly for selfish reasons. They they don't need a shooting guard. They have Buddy Heald. Uh, but they ended up taking a shooting guard in Jackson. Well, see, I, I think he's a three. Well, so does Heald play the two then? Yeah. Or does Jackson come off the bench? No, I, mean, I, they're I, think, have it's, room to sign I think it's Fox, Heald, Jackson, okay. um, Scal, and Willie Cauley-Stein. I think that's your starting five. That's, I mean, how many wins does that team put up? Not that that's what they, they're trying to do. No. But, I mean, that's a No, it's a bad, a I'm, team. It's a bad yeah. team for sure. I just think that, uh, you know, of those, I think they've got, of the four guys they drafted that I mentioned, I think they got at least a above average starter in Fox. I think one of Jackson or Giles will turn out to be a guy that can can start, mm-hmm. and then I think you know Mason has a chance to be a legit backup point guard or you know at least a an offensive option off the bench. I mean, I, I just think that they injected a decent amount of talent i'm not sure how much it's right. gonna pan out but i mean that's a team with so many minutes to to hand out to guys i mm-hmm. i like look if you don't i mean if you don't love zach collins i like zach collins i want a I mean, malik monk there just to keep fox and monk together yeah i i don't really care about that i i'm i don't know it's buddy i don't like buddy healed that much but i mean i think uh monk and healed are pretty much the same guy to me um yeah i'm not saying it would have made a ton of sense but it's the kings and i would i would rather have had zach collins i like donovan mitchell quite a bit you know 10 would have been a little high for him Um, but like you said when you're the kings you're basically starting from scratch you know you have Mm -hmm. you know and Cauley stein scal and buddy healed are like the real the only real assets on that roster Papianis, depending on what you think of him you might as well just load up and and get as many lottery tickets as you can. And you don't really know what their doctors, what information they have on Harry Giles. Not that I would necessarily expect the Kings to have the best medical staff and the the you know the best uh, methodology for for kind of dissecting a situation like that. But uh, you know, if if they had Giles at like twelve on their board, which is totally within reason, like depending on what type of medical information they have on him, then then getting him at 20 and getting a guy right. like Justin Jackson I think is fine. I think it usually yeah, – the tr- alternative is taking just Giles at 10. Right. Yeah. Like I think – you. yeah, right. Yeah, if if Jackson or Giles, I mean, was atop their board at 10, I think it's a it's a great trade. I, I totally get why everyone always rips on the idea of trading from a spot like 10 down to, to 15 and 20. Uh, but – to me, I, it doesn't make any less sense than the the Celtics trading down from one to three. Like, I mean, you're you're passing up on a certain caliber of player mm-hmm. uh, to get a, a slightly lower caliber player and another player that that you're going to kind of roll the dice on. I like what the Lakers did. I think Lonzo Ball is going to be really good, and you know that's not really the main reason. Everybody knew they were going to do that, but I, I thought they were they were smart with their draft picks later too you know they they ended up using uh the 28th pick which they you know which they sent or which they acquired um from brooklyn uh, ended up trading that to utah they uh, the lakers ended up getting kyle kuzma from utah uh they get josh hart at pick 30 which i think some people thought that was a little bit of a reach but you know as far as 
you know, the Lakers need reserve guards. And I, and I think Josh Hart is about as NBA ready as any guard in this draft, especially any guard that you're going to find outside of the lottery. So I like doing that at, at pick 30. Uh, didn't necessarily love the Thomas Bryant pick in round two, but, you know, he's an interesting combination of, of size and, you know, at least in a, at least he wants to play on the perimeter. I don't know if that's necessarily where the team wants him, but like, there's not that many six ten guys that, at least in their own mind, are comfortable doing that. So um, you can kind of justify that one if you want. Uh, I thought the Sixers, of course, did well to, to trade up and get Markel Fultz. Uh, we talked about Dennis Smith with Dallas. I think I think that's kind of the trendy, you know, when you look back in five years, this guy might be the second best player in the draft type of pick. And I, I can totally see that. I think in most drafts, Dennis Smith is a top five pick. We don't really know why he fell this far, do we? I mean, and it's not like he tumbled down draft boards. Like we said, he was kind of projected in this range before. Um, well, I, like, what accounts for the difference between him and Fox? Like nobody was really arguing that Dennis Smith's a better prospect than De'Aaron Fox, and I feel like it should have been closer. I mean, people are just extreme. Like the pub, are you talking about the public or front offices? Either one. Like I think the public is just a hundred percent fox over smith because of what they saw from fox in the tournament and they're holding they're holding nc state's lack of success against smith more than anyone's holding it against fultz or more than anyone held it against simmons last year uh and i think that you have i think if you just look at the top six uh i think smith you know there's probably half the teams in the league probably had him behind all six of those guys on their boards. I think that that's reasonable to assume. Uh, definitely the top four, and I think a lot of teams probably had Fox ahead of Smith just because of the, the defensive gap between those two uh, and just sort of the more, I don't know, Smith Smith definitely seems kind of more like a a ball dominator than, than Fox, and, and I think you could make a case for – Isaac even being ahead of both of them and then you get to Markinen and I think that was just a a team that had a really high grade on a player and you know I I don't think that the Bulls would have been the only team to take Markinen over Smith I think that at least 10 teams maybe even more than that would take Markinen over Smith because of the shooting and then Tilakina you have the Knicks who probably I mean did Dennis Smith was he one of those players that was just kind of refusing to work out with the the Knicks because he didn't want to end up playing in the triangle? I think it. I don't know if he worked out for the Knicks off the top of my head, but I think it was more of a a reverse of that where the Knicks don't think he's a good triangle fit. And and the and Tilakino was like very like gung ho about wanting to play for the Knicks, right. which is not a common sentiment among right. prospects. So, uh, which is insane. Because they're the Knicks, right, right. But that's where uh, we are right now. It's just, it it can't be surprising that Smith fell to nine when everyone had him falling to nine. Okay, well, I guess maybe the question is like the teams we just talked about: Magic at six. I, you know, apparently they're comfortable with Alfred Payton. Bulls at seven. They had, at that point had traded for Chris Dunn, so you kind of have your point guard of the future there. Uh, plus campaign, who they they gave up quite a bit for last year. The Knicks like Tilakina. Like, if the Mavericks were picking at number six. Would they have taken Dennis Smith there over Jonathan Isaac or over Markinen? I think there's a pretty good chance that happens. I, th- I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, Smith versus Isaac, if you're the Mavs, is is really tough. And uh, you know, I think 
that I think that front office would have been pretty split on that, honestly, because yeah. like it's it's you're talking about a guy like Isaac who is kind of a coach's dream. Like you want to you want to mold him um, from day one and and try to incorporate him, and and, and you can kind of have him play behind Dirk and behind Nerlens Noel. Uh, and but on with with Smith, he he fills more of an obvious need. Um, they haven't they haven't had a electric point guard since Steve Nash was there. I mean, so it's it's obviously, it's obviously a position that they've been been lacking at for quite a while. So yeah, I think I think it's quite possible he could have gone six if the Mavs were picking there. The point I think I'm trying to make is that I I view Smith as more in the caliber of those top six guys than the guys below him. If that makes sense, like I think he it it, it just kind of was a weird string of. Team six through eight just didn't need a point guard, and I think if any of those teams, you know, not including the Knicks because they're the Knicks, did need a point guard, uh, we, we, you know, Smith would have gone higher, and I think we we would view him differently in terms of what to expect. But I mean, if he came out and won Rookie of the Year next year, I don't think that would be much of a surprise. We talked a little bit about this last week. Um, you know, like Lonzo Ball is the Vegas favorite to win Rookie of the Year right now, uh, and then Fultz and Simmons. I think Simmons is two, Fultz is three. And the logic there, I guess, is that Simmons and Fultz will kind of work against each other. And if you want to assume that Ben or that Joel Embiid is healthy, you know, neither of those guys will really be handed the keys to a franchise like like guys drafted at number one often are. Yeah, I think that 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 definitely makes sense. Uh, I think that's got to be your top three in some order. I mean, I think Ball definitely has to be one just because of the the team context you mentioned i mean like i think ingram's gonna be a better player especially playing with ball but ball's gonna get all the credit for that yes like so there's there's no way that ball's not gonna end up looking like the best player on that team whereas you could definitely see either fultz or simmons looking like the third best player on that team so the lakers won 26 games last year if they even approach 40 wins i think lonzo ball gets it and he stays healthy and, and doesn't completely collapse, right? Like, I think the credit would be, like you said, it would go right to Lonzo Ball. It'll be like, this is just what he did at UCLA. He comes in and you flip a switch and all of a sudden the team's good. So I, I see the logic there. Simmons is at, uh, well, Ball's at plus 250. He's the favorite. Simmons is plus 300, so pretty close. And then you go up to plus 550 for Fultz. Fox is fourth. Dennis Smith is fifth. Malik Monk is sixth. Then Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac. You can get Justin Jackson at plus thirty three hundred, James. Yeah, you can. Uh, he's a big God guy. <laughs> he's a big. guy. He's talking guy. a lot well, about he, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's, also, he's also a big homeschool guy. He is. I did not know that. <laughs> did they say that on the telecast? Yeah, they had it listed. You know where they say. Yeah, yeah it was just one of his. Just I had no facts idea about him. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, I. Just looking at those odds, I mean, I, I like Smith quite a bit. Uh, I yeah, I don't I mean, hate Josh Josh Jackson at plus twelve hundred. No, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily bet on him to win it, but for those odds, I don't think that's bad. It's a tricky spot for him because, it, well, it it kind of depends how much credit you want to give the voters because he's probably going to be the best defender of all these guys we've talked about uh the assists are going to be there like like just a lot of stuff that you don't typically look for in a small forward who wins rookie of the year are going to be there so like are the voters going to be smart enough 
to factor all that in and put it over a guy like Lonzo Ball who's going to have points, assists, and like like maybe 20 times the media coverage um it's it's yeah that's the thing i think if you put if you like put josh jackson up against this year's rookies and you could say that for any of these guys of course Mm -hmm. i think then people you know because for this year's rookie of the year you had to really start digging to find reasons to vote for any of these guys and i think that would kind of help josh jackson like like at the end of the year you know there's almost like a little mini case being made for jalen brown it was like hey he's he's been really good when he with what he's been Mm -hmm. asked to do for boston like that's not going to work this time because, like you said, there's going to be three or four guys that have really good numbers that we typically see out of Rookie of the Year winners where even if Josh Jackson does all the little things really well for Phoenix, it's not going to matter because, like, Ball, Simmons, Fultz, those guys are going to have the numbers. I don't like Jason Tatum at plus 1,600. I, just, I don't think he can really win it with the way the roster is currently constructed. I don't know what he would have to I do. I don't see any chance unless you want to buy in now and buy gamble that they're going to trade him before the season yeah because like if he gets traded to like the pacers mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he is right there with like Fultz and yeah. simmons to me i don't yeah if he stays in boston even if they make a move i don't see like if they could trade jalen brown sure and i still it wouldn't matter no. because as long as isaiah thomas and like al horford right are there <laughs> like I just don't, yeah and I mean, if they're trading brown theoretically they could trade brown and crowder two guys he's going to be competing for mm-hmm. minutes for that would mean that they're bringing in at least one of Gordon Hayward right. or Paul George. It's it's just a, yeah, it's a bad bet if he sticks with Boston. Are you going to put cash on marketing at thirty three hundred? I love those odds. Uh, I, I mean, I think he's ready to. I mean, what what do you like? I, I don't see why anyone would expect him to struggle relative to expectations. And it's nice that he comes in with like extremely low expectations. Like everyone's just been tearing him apart ever since that trade. And I mean, he's got probably the most NBA ready three point shot of, of any of the players taken in this draft. Uh, Dylan Brooks went 45. So right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, he, in, I mean, he's going to be able to get that size off with ease or i mean that that shot off with ease uh the rebounds probably aren't going to be there but i mean he's going to be playing for a really terrible bulls team that i mean he could be i mean who's gonna who's gonna lead that team in scoring and who's gonna be second on that team in scoring and who's gonna be third on that team in scoring like it, it might be him in one of those top three spots and there just aren't enough good options where you would i mean if he plays say 29 minutes a game which he probably should considering how bad the team's going to be and that they're in like complete rebuild mode i think he scores 15 16 Mm -hmm. a game and shoots a pretty high percentage i mean he shoots a really good percentage from the line for a big man i mean his his pr like compared to these guys might be might be just right up there well who was the last rookie to even make the playoffs in their first season i want to say it was Derek rose the last rookie of the year. Rookie of the year, sorry. Um, yeah, rookie of the year. No rookie has ever made the playoffs. Well, Malcolm Brogdon. Sure. Oh, <laughs> wow, yes. Newly minted rookie of the year. Other than Malcolm Brogdon. Like, this past rookie of the year is a historical anomaly if you look at I don't the numbers. Know. Uh, Derek Rose seems like a Not a Towns, not Wiggins, bet. not MCW, not Lillard. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe Portland did. I'm not sure. Uh, no, they didn't. But... Yeah, I mean, the point is you have to go to a bad enough team that they're willing to play you for 35 minutes a game just so you can rack up these numbers. Uh, Any other teams that you thought... 
came away winners. Spe- speaking of Damian Lillard, I thought the Blazers did pretty well. Um, they came in with three first-round picks, and you pretty much knew that they either had to go with um, you know drafted stash or end up packaging the picks. And they did the latter. They moved up, grabbed Zach Collins at ten to add to their glut of big men. So I don't really know where that fits. And they took another forward yeah. at twenty-six in Caleb Swanigan, which. I'm glad Caleb Swanigan went in round one. I think he's really skilled, and I think it's going to be fun to watch. But, I mean, Portland has to make some moves now this offseason. They probably were going to have to either way because I don't see how you can really run it back with that roster. But at the same time, I don't know that there's going to be these value deals out there for them. Like, if they want to get rid of some of these pieces, they're going to have to accept 70 cents on the dollar for, you know, your Mo Harkless, Evan Turner, Noah Vonley types. Yeah, I just don't – I mean, I, I like getting Collins. I like, you know, parlaying those picks into getting Collins, uh, but I don't know how he fits. I don't know how Swanigan fits. I don't know. It. I Their draft to me was just kind of in the B, B-minus range. I, I wasn't that amazed by it. I thought talent-wise it was good. Like if they would if they had drafted two guards, we'd be saying the same thing. The problem is they're too deep everywhere. I think Yeah, I mean the, use... this wasn't a good draft for no. wings and they needed wings. Right. Uh they're I think Donovan Mitchell would have been a nice fit. Yeah. They, they still don't really have a backup point guard, do they? Um no, I mean they've two guys that can play the point pretty well <laughs> right yeah that's the thing their backup point guard right. was basically McCollum yeah uh yeah I mean it's it's tough when once you get out of the top you know 13 well should we just move on to like who had a terrible draft yeah oh by the way they have they had Shabazz Napier of course they're, they're uh, set they're set at uh, backup yeah. point guards yes. yes yes terrible draft I'll let you lead this one off uh so I don't know what uh the heat were doing taking bam out of bio at 14 um like i get it that you could reasonably kind of clump him in with the guys that went sort of 14 15 16 um maybe yeah if you're not high on like john collins you don't trust harry giles medicals you don't trust og ananobi's medicals you aren't that high on Patton. like i get how they got there i just in today like in today's game like we always talk about uh what type of I mean, Bam Adebayo said in his interview the reason that he improved his stock is because he showed teams he could shoot in his in his workouts. Like, okay, well, I, I'm I'm still kind of skeptical about. Remember those Bam videos Bam of Willie, Willie Cauley Stein draining shoot. like 13 yeah. corner threes in a row before the draft? He's yeah. taken what two career? Threes? Yeah, it's like in theory the the Adebayo uh, Hassan Whiteside pairing kind of is is kind of intimidating because you have one guy that's just going to crash the glass and the other guy that's just going to protect the rim. It's very nineties, but it's, but right. It doesn't fit at all in today's game. It like that, that those two playing on the court at the same time, there's going to be certain teams that are just going to be able to have a field day. Uh, so it, I don't really get that pick. I mean, it, there are a lot, there are a handful of guys I like more than him there. I maybe trade down even I, maybe just nobody wanted to trade up to 14 based on who was available uh, which is certainly possible but I mean it was was Bam Adebayo not going to be there at 18 was he not going to be there at 19 I, I I feel like he probably would have been yeah I mean you said you can kind of lump him in with that 
group of players that I think starts at 14. Like there's a divide going from Mitchell at 13 to Bam at 14. Yes. Um, and I think 14 through what Ananobi at 23, like those guys for the most part, you could scramble them and it wouldn't have been that surprising. Absolutely. But if you were to rank those guys, to me, Adebayo comes in at probably 21 or 22, not 14. Yes. So that that was probably the biggest surprise of the night, depending I, on whether you believed all these rumors that Tatum was going to go to Boston, because I think there were still people that thought it was going to be Josh Jackson. So that was a bit of a surprise. But other than that, Bam's probably the biggest one, and it's not this horrible reach. And right. Miami as an organization has kind of built up enough clout that's, that you would give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy that questions Miami. I mean, they they've drafted pretty well with with poor picks in recent years. They obviously great at developing players. Um, just didn't see didn't seem like great value there. No, no. Um, and and then after that, I don't even know where to go if I'm going to try to really critique a team just based on who they drafted where yeah. they drafted like i think a lot of people are are kind of talking about laurie markinen well, let's uh, talk about og like sure clearly there's something up with his medicals right because he was somebody that i think was if anything gaining steam like we talked on thursday morning that he was kind of sneaking his way back into the 13 14 15 range and I, yeah i don't i just don't I don't think it necessarily has to be medicals. I think that you could reasonably talk yourself out of him uh, depending on what you value as an organization. And and like so he might have been pretty high on the boards of teams 1 through 13 or just a majority of teams 1 through 13, but if teams 14, 15, 16, you know, all the way down to to 23 if enough of those teams aren't that high on you for whatever reason, and not all of those teams are all that smart. Uh, so, I mean, that's reasonable. Um, and that was the best case if you're the Raptors. At 23, you probably thought you were getting Tyler Light in. Yeah, I mean, it, it, sort, dude. it sort of reminds me of DeJounte Murray last year where he just kept sliding, and it was just, you know, for whatever reason, teams just – didn't have that high of grades on him at a certain point and he just kept falling. So, I mean, I, I don't think it has to be something medically related. Uh, that's a, a really nice landing spot though. If you're mm-hmm. the Raptors, I mean, I, I, I had him in my top 15. So the bulls were one of my losers. We already talked about that trade. Mm-hmm. I, I don't hate the framework of the trade. If you're high on Chris Dunn and the bulls very clearly are and wanted him last year, that's fine. If you value him and you think he's your man, you know, whatever you, you you can't really necessarily fault a team for that. What I don't like is trading for a player who currently has a torn ACL, and then giving up pick sixteen in that deal. Like it was it was a lopsided deal. Had they not included the sixteenth pick, then you throw that in, and, and again, Levine coming off a torn ACL. If if Levine was fully healthy and was just coming off of a year where year where he where he where he averaged mm-hmm. and you know played pretty good on both ends and like was still on this upward trajectory fine but you're, you're giving up the best player in the deal you're giving up a 16th pick in a pretty loaded draft that you know goes back you know deep into the 20s and you're the best player that you're bringing back in the deal you're not even sure you know what he's going to look like mm-hmm. once he's healthy and you know ACLs aren't what they used to be in terms of how they could derail a career but at the same time they seem to be more not devastating is not quite the right word because I'm thinking of Jabari Parker and, and how he came mm-hmm. back from that first one before tearing it again. But Zach Levine, 
depends on his athleticism more than the average player. And to me, that that makes me more worried about what this could mean for his future than it would a different player. Yeah, so, I mean, everything I'm going to say, I just want to preface with I think it was a bad trade for the Bulls. I think that if that was the best offer out there, the only thing you can do at that point is just hold Jimmy Butler and try to find a way to build around him. You can still buy, like, you could hold Jimmy Butler and still buy out a guy like Rajon Rondo or Dwayne Wade and, like, kind of go with a with a youth movement and keep Jimmy Butler because, like, you're still – how are you going to get a player like Jimmy Butler? Um, you got to demand Andrew Wiggins. You got to – They made this trade as if Butler's expiring this coming summer and not in two summers. Right. I mean, you – you know, there might have been other times when you get a bigger haul for Jimmy Butler just because on draft night – that was the best package and i don't doubt that it was like i i obviously the the celtics could have topped it if they wanted to and they didn't uh but i i think that was a bad trade they they should have held jimmy butler uh but you know the counterpoint to the levine thing is he's not necessarily available to you if he doesn't have a torn acl like that the only reason you're able to get him back is because he's damaged goods for the time being so you know, you're buying low on an asset and there's a chance that that ends up looking good just in terms of you getting Zach Levine when you did. And then, you know, we could be talking a year from now and, and he's averaging 25 points a game for the Bulls like that. That's not crazy. Uh, Lori Markinen, I think, is getting a really bad rap in this deal. Like there's everyone's talking about how he can't rebound and how he doesn't really protect the rim. And that's true. But he's also just there's there's freshman big men don't shoot the way he shot as a freshman big man it just doesn't happen and he came from finland to do it like he goes from finland to tucson and doesn't really take any acclimation period uh he he moves laterally laterally fairly well for a big man and even though he doesn't rebound you still have to put a big man on him and that's the whole floor stretching aspect the bulls haven't had a legit floor stretcher in like a decade i don't, I don't know i don't know when the last time they had a guy that was a knockdown 44 45 they had corporate at one point oh right yeah Corbett. weirdly enough that seems like a forgotten time in his career but i mean that that's a front office that has been trying to find this guy with with uh miritich and with mcdermott and failing uh on both counts and so i mean obviously they they understand the need to get shooting out there uh i mean you just you have to put your big man on him and that stretches everything opens everything up um and that just he's just such a unique shooter for his age and his size that i i think he's getting a bit of a bad rap and then i i don't like chris dunn so that's that's part of the deal where i can't even defend the player in question well, you said they're buying low on levine i mean you're buying, you're buying extremely, you're buying extremely low, extremely on low on Dunn. Dunn. um i mean i guess if you want to say like if you want to praise the the nets for buying d'angelo russell when they did theoretically that same logic applies to dunn like a top five pick who's all of a sudden not even getting treated like close to a, a top five pick but that the draft class the dunn's draft class and, and russell's draft class are very different in terms of the perceived talent like Chris Dunn probably goes outside the 
top 11 in this draft at least i would say if he, if he re-entered the draft like, after his if, rookie year it, no no last year. no like with his draft stock coming out of providence if he's eligible for this draft i think he goes possibly behind luke Kennard, possibly behind donovan mitchell like he's I not think, a, yeah i think 12 to the pistons is the earliest we would have seen him right so this isn't like d'angelo russell goes top five in pretty much every draft like chris dunn went top five because it was a super crappy draft yeah. uh so I just I think Markinen's getting a bad rap. I think Zach Levine's a twenty two year old who, you know, obviously the injury's an issue. Obviously you're gonna have to pay him soon, but he's still a twenty two year old who has gone out and scored thirty five with ease before as the third option. So, two time dunk contest winner. Two time dunk contest winner. How um, often are twenty two year old two time dunk <laughs> contest winners available? You, you just you usually can't trade for those guys. No, so no. uh I just want to stick. I want to stick up for those two guys, but I, I think it's still a, a pretty bad trade. Well, the nail, in the, the final nail in the coffin for Chicago was selling their second round pick, which became Jordan yeah. Bell. Yeah, that was like uh, that. The, really, they're getting like at this point in the draft, everyone's. Well, the, that was the funny thing. Like in real time, you're we're all just kind of like, oh, ugh. like, but not everyone. Like Mike Wilbon was on the show, and he was kind of like. Ah, it's not a not a bad haul for the Bulls, and then like he starts kind of figuring out that, uh, dude, everyone thinks it's a terrible haul, and then yeah. he's like, ah, it's actually probably not a good haul, and like <laughs> I'd like so, to retract my earlier. Like, everyone, <laughs> everyone's like kind of coming around to the idea that the Bulls are like kind of the goats of the night, and then they just pour some more gas on mm-hmm. the fire with that that belt. Tur- that they did get paid out a lot. It was it's like three and a half million dollars for the thirty eighth pick, but the, it felt it felt worse that it was the Warriors. I think it's still... It's like, you're helping them. Why are you helping I, them? This is probably an aspect of the NBA that the dumber teams are just not kind of caught up to. Yeah. And uh, if you can buy a player in the 30s, even though it's like a second rounder, if you can buy a player like that, uh, it's probably a good investment because of how much money you you have and... You know, you you have to trust your your scouts on a right. on a guy like that. And Bell's a guy that I can totally see why the the Warriors love him, and that's just like a free player. Like, what's three point five million to yeah. the Warriors? It's, well, and that it's doesn't nothing. count the three point million they're paying to Chicago. It's not like that's against your cap, right? That's exactly. just out of your pocket. Like yeah. that's that's the flaw in the logic right. of of like being like, oh, that's a lot of money though. It's like, yeah, yeah, but it's a lot of money from like. A, billion, a a team that's literally worth multiple right. billions of dollars. You would rather buy it than give up some sort of asset Absolutely. to get it. Even a future second, right. you'd rather give the 3.5 yeah. million. You just, why not just buy it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I love Jordan Bell in Gold State. I think you know people right away are like, oh, it's just, he's just going to be like their backup you know, B-team Draymond. <laughs> and like, I don't think, I mean, nobody's going to no. do that. But no. I mean, he's, he's, he, this is the perfect type of system for him to come in, play mm-hmm. 15 minutes, just hey just go crazy i don't care if you pick up three fouls block shots go for steals and hit right he can come in and be the right he comes in he he can be the 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 small lineup big who doesn't have to stretch the the court because he's always going to be out there with two or three elite shooters so like even his his biggest weakness his ability to shoot isn't really an issue at all like it it's the perfect team for making guys like sean livingston andre godala valuable because they just don't have to carry the the floor stretching load. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't have been a better landing spot for Jordan Bell. Uh, two other Pac-12 bigs. It was not a good night to be six nine or taller. 
from the state of California with your first name starting with the letter I, because Ivan Rab dropped to 35. Uh, apparently it's Ike Anigbogu. I was saying, or apparently it's Ike. No, it's Ike. I was saying yeah. Ike, and apparently it's Ike. Anabogu yeah. went to the Pacers at 47. Anabogu reminded me of this year's uh, Demetrius Jackson, where I think in my final mock <laughs> before the draft, I had right. I had Demetrius Jackson well, going 15th, and he ended up in the middle of the it's second. It's one of those – it actually made me really happy because I never really understood the Anigbogu love, but like enough people who I trusted were like – Oh yeah, I mean, this is a guy. He's in my top twenty on my big board. Like, yeah, he he'll definitely go in the first round. Like, and I was just like, oh well, I I mean, he's long. I get it. I mean, like, and so like you start to like talk yourself into it, and then he falls all the way down. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. You guys like we're totally totally whiffed on this. My initial instinct was correct. This is a guy who could not get on the court at all. At, yeah, well, it's, it's funny UCLA because like every, every team just unanimously agreed that this guy's not good. Right. But somehow every mock draft had him in the top 25. And you had, you know, you had a handful of teams in the second round that had a chance to take him that would typically take a guy like that if there was anything there. You know, like the Bucks pass on him, the the Rockets pass on him. Like they're... There's a lot of teams kind of in that range that you would think would roll the dice on him if, if it was worth it. Um, any other guys you want to touch on? We had, like you, you talked about Frank Mason went 34 to the Kings. That was a little higher than people expected, but you know, was good at the combine, obviously had a great college career. I was personally shocked, dismayed, confused that Juwan Evans made it all the way to the Clippers at 39. (laughs) Although I don't think that's the worst landing spot for him because now he gets to learn from, you know, kind of the, the guy who will eventually pass him the torch in Chris Paul. Yep. He's should we have Chris Paul on the next episode to talk about what it's going to be like to groom his replacement? Is Chris like, Paul on the hot seat? <laughs> like, like, so Chris, are you are you excited to kind of get get Evans ready to to take over as as point guard in the couple next couple more years? years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he he's probably loving that. Uh, Is I there mean, a point guard controversy in LA? No. I, <laughs> who I mean, was this Jerry West's draft? Was he um, pulling the strings here? Or was this Doc's draft? I would like to think it wasn't Doc's draft. I think Jerry Sin- West. Sindarius Thornwell is a very Doc pick. Well, they traded. Didn't the Bucks take Thornwell and then the Clippers basically bought him? Okay. Well, either way, ending up with Sindarius Thornwell right. is very, very Doc. It it, yeah. it really whiffs hey, a he's Doc. NBA ready. <laughs> hey, th- you see what, the, what numbers this guy put up in college? <laughs> I, I caught the final four. <laughs> Oh yeah, home. yeah. I I tuned in for that Final Four game. I, I picture Doc looking through a printed list of the players and just like I never heard of him. I don't know, but oh, oh, that's yeah. that guy from South Carolina. That's right. why. Um, who did we both have them taking from? Oh, Bryce Johnson. We yeah, both had that. Exactly. Like that was the most obvious so pick obvious. of the draft, is because it's like, oh, this is the like kind of long but tweener guy from the big school that mm-hmm. was playing in the championship game that has like really impressive like double double numbers in college like it's not going to translate at all so this is the guy that doc's gonna take yeah well doc is still operating on that early 90s philosophy of best college player equals best pro prospect yeah. where like the naismith winner automatically so, went top five every see this draft. guy guy averaged a double double yeah <laughs> i watched i watched this guy against nc state and i think we could use him how many minutes did bryce johnson play for the clippers did he play any I think he played some. I'm not. I can't not say sure. that with I any. I can't confidence, remember ever but, seeing him on the court. I mean, you know how much I seek mm-hmm. out Clippers games, but 
Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. So speaking of South Carolina and Thornwell, PJ Dozier undrafted. That was surprising. well. That was the uh, the medical issues, right? I think there were some medical issues that popped up, uh, or at least reports that the reason he didn't get drafted was due to medical concerns. But yeah, I mean, if he if 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 everything came back clean on Dozier, I would have expected him to go quite a bit higher. Uh, Kadeem Allen, fifty three to the Celtics, uh, you know, great pick. Um, I thought Blossom game at fifty nine to the Spurs was a like to me that's more of a oh here we go Spurs than uh, Derek White at twenty nine. I mean, I I think Blossom game's the type of guy that the Spurs can kind of do their Spurs yeah. voodoo stuff with right. more than Derek White. Yeah, White to me seemed like he would he, Derek White would be like a really good mop-up duty like scorer who would he would score like 13 points in two minutes at the end of a game where the nets are down 25 points like that type of guy right. like the nets is where he should have gone right he seemed yeah he just seemed like he was destined to go to a bad team so that was kind of jarring to see him go to san uh san antonio yet again we got the reactions like you said like oh everybody groans when the spurs make their pick like the spurs need to start testing the limits of that that would have been see Everyone does it, like, kind of regardless. Mm-hmm. But if it had been, say, Josh Hart, everyone would have just absolutely oh, yeah. lost it. Like, well, I'm saying they need to go the opposite direction and take just a horrible, like, a re- renowned bad player. Like, take the 10th best player from VCU and see if people still react that way. Like, um, yeah. Like, or if, what if they had taken, like, D- Thomas Bryant? Sure. Or well, Dylan I think people Bro- would still react Dylan that Brooks. way, both ways. Like, oh, Dylan Brooks, he was good in college. If there's any team that can See, make him I don't good, know. Uh, like, oh, Renato every, Sydney. Everyone knows Dylan Brooks is bad, <laughs> except for except for the Grizzlies. Hey, they they might have finally found that shooter. Oh, how funny was it that the Cavs were reportedly like frantically trying to trade up to 35 to get Ivan Rab? Because they were an Ivan Rab away. I did we not, said that multiple times. I, not, I actually didn't know that. Um, they did. Missed that. Hey. um you know, Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson can't both be out there against the Warriors, but Ivan Rab Is can. there a player that they could, yeah, that they could use less than Ivan Rab? No, I know. It's like <laughs> like literally maybe fifteen guys that went after Ivan Rab. Like Ivan Rab's the perfect guy for the Grizzlies. No wonder they didn't yeah. want to trade him. <laughs> like, of course they're gonna take him. Yeah. So this guy wait, this guy can't shoot? Oh, how do you sign us up? Um so we talked about Swanigan, the coups. Love, to the Lakers at 27. Coos. I like that a lot. I think he's going to be all right. Tony Bradley at 28 to the Jazz was interesting because the rumor was that he had a promise from the Lakers who were at 28. <laughs> Technically, they did draft him. That was the promise. But then the promise was that they would draft him and trade him to the Jazz, apparently. Uh, I don't really know what the future holds for him. I think he'll be spending a lot of time in the D-League next year. Yeah, I think they were just trying to hit strike gold sure. twice with the the same logic they had with uh go bear mm-hmm. um frank jackson to the pelicans at the first pick of the second round yeah mm. don't hate the pick by the pelicans but i would be surprised if that turns into anything great wesley windu's a, a great magic yeah oh yeah i mean a perfect perfect landing spot for him yep yep uh well what did you think about dj wilson to the bucks we haven't talked about him at all I liked I liked it a lot. Uh, I remember I, I shared with you my big board before we did the the pod, uh, the pre-draft pod. Ended up moving Wilson all the way up to I think twenty-two on there. So, I mean, I, it wasn't hard for me to talk myself into to Wilson to the Bucks. I was starting to 
he was really starting to gain a lot of gain a lot of traction uh, to this casual observer and it's just a perfect fit you know he can play in that Thon Giannis lineup where any three of them can be the center any three of them can be the three they can all switch on to any three through five they theoretically will all be able to stretch the floor I mean, he's just extremely versatile, and if you're just looking for a guy, like we talk about how uh, Bam Adebayo does not fit the mold of like a, a modern NBA big man, DJ Wilson absolutely fits that mold. Like he's kind of the prototype for for that mold. So it it made a lot of sense to me. I liked Patton a lot. Wouldn't have minded the Bucks getting their hands on him, but of course he went to 16. Do you to read Minnesota? anything at all into the guys who get invited to the draft because i was sort of uh hypothesizing that he must not have been all that high on their board like i th- I feel like they maybe at least a couple guys got popped in front of them who they didn't expect to get popped otherwise Ooh. i feel like like Patton. i think you can maybe say at a bio uh you mean you mean dj wilson well like he wasn't invited to the draft right even though 20 guys get invited and they were picking 17 so mm-hmm. i wonder I, well, I think the nba does i think they really put a good faith effort into picking the 20 guys they right. think are going to go there because they i mean they don't want anybody embarrassed on tv i mean i think they would have loved to have dj wilson there if they knew he was right. going to go in the top 20 and so yeah. I, maybe maybe the bucks just have no obligation to inform mm-hmm. them of anything to, to do with that but well um, who is the lowest drafted guy who is actually there and invited because some guys just go and are in the they're just kind of in like the general section. OG I think was mm-hmm. the lowest. Yeah. Um. But right, I mean, certain players just kind of come like when you're there, it's odd because they just come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like they just look like they're a casual fan, and then their the spotlight shines on them, and and them and their family come down. Um. Who else do? We, oh, I wanted to ask with 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 uh, regards to the Bucks. I know you and I both like the Wilson pick, but was there anyone else who went behind him who you would have rather had? Uh, I mean, specifically in terms of the way they fit on the Bucks, I think I might have, I might have preferred Giles, but I think that that obviously, I mean, in a, in a year from now, I'll either have definitely preferred Giles or absolutely not preferred Giles. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the same for Terrence Ferguson. Like I thought that he probably even more so than Wilson fit a need assuming he's actually a knockdown shooter like i think reports are kind of mixed like it's it's a good looking shot but it's uh you know we'll we'll see how well he can actually shoot it if terrence ferguson ends up being a a knockdown shooter i think his size and sort of switchability on the wing would have been nice but yeah i mean og if uh if they like the medicals there i mean those are all guys that I would have been extremely happy to have at 17, but I'm I'm also happy to have Wilson at 17. Mm-hmm. I think most people thought John Collins would go earlier than 19. I just think he's a terrible fit on the Bucks. Yeah, I think it's a, a decent get for the Hawks. Sure, I I I just I, I don't think you can add another guy that is potentially a non-shooter mm-hmm. to that to that core. So real quickly, let's talk Paul George and Mello. I think it was Mark Stein 
reported earlier this week that the Paul George talks are continuing. Indiana, I wouldn't say they're trying to play hardball with Paul George. I think they know they need to get rid of him, but you know, Kevin Pritchard said over the weekend that they're prepared to take these talks into training camp if they have to. They're not going to sell low. At some point, it feels like that's inevitably going to happen. But the Nuggets have now emerged as a potential third team in this deal, which unless Indiana just wants Kevin Love straight up, and I don't think that's the case. We have no reason to think that's the case. Cleveland virtually needs a third team because the Cavs have no young assets or enviable contracts mm-hmm. that Indiana would want to take back. Right. I mean, that that definitely makes a ton of sense. I never understood why the Pacers would be interested in Kevin Love. Like, obviously, if you just want to say, like, go look at whatever package they end up getting for George and you want to say, would you rather have those two guys, those two young unproven guys or Kevin Love or that young unproven guy in that pick or Kevin Love? In a vacuum, you always say Kevin Love, but there's like a 0% chance he would resign with the Pacers when he's a free agent or when he's able to opt out. So, yeah, I mean, that, why why would you trade one guy who's about to leave you for another guy who's going to leave you shortly after? It doesn't make any sense. So I don't know why the Nuggets would necessarily want Kevin Love. But I don't hate the fit for them. I don't think they need Kevin Love. I, you know, they I, I they could use an upgrade at power forward. I think if, I hate the fit because I think a front court of Kevin Love and Nikola Jokic might end up being the worst defensive front court in the NBA. One of the best white front courts ever, though. <laughs> one of the best rebounding and passing white front courts, probably. Well, probably since Mikael Bird. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> um yeah i mean i think for cleveland is it a foregone conclusion that kevin love is not going to be back the other guy we we're going to talk about is mellow and if mellow gets a buyout from the knicks and can sign for the mini mid-level or whatever mm-hmm. the Cavs have left as a as a repeater tax team i think they're they're under extra consta- constraints but the belief is that mellow would essentially sign for the minimum with them while getting his buyout money from the knicks this is like i mean there's a lot of people trusting in Carmelo Anthony to leave a lot of money on the table, which I don't know what you can look at in Carmelo Anthony's past that would suggest he's going to leave a lot of money on the table. Like, I get like when has he ever been about the money? I get why like it makes sense from a basketball perspective and like a he's friends with LeBron perspective. Like that all makes sense to me, but I just I'll believe it when I see it. If 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 Carmelo Anthony wants to play for what it what even is that? Is it five mil now? Five million a year? What I don't know what I it's think, at. Right I don't now. even know if the Cavs could offer him that. Um, and I mean, I know. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it might actually help that him and Lala broke up because you know I, I know she wouldn't have wanted to live in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think I think it's funny the outrage that uh, kind of the non NBA centric mainstream media has at the idea of. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony getting bought out and then signing on the cheap with the Cavs like like some sort of notion that the system's flawed I don't think the system's flawed at all like you're just overrating how good Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade are if you think Mm -hmm. that the system's flawed it's just like in the NFL where like every year you'll hear you'll see like a number of like big name guys that just get straight up bought out or, or released um and it's, I mean, it's just, it's kind of the same thing. Like Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade aren't going to push any team over the top. Right. Well, that was going to be my question is if, 
if the Cavs are just able to get Carmelo via buyout, do they look and at the roster love. and say, okay, now we have our big four. We have Love, Melo, Kyrie, and LeBron. Like At that no. point, do they still feel the need to trade Love and upgrade? I, I think – I don't know. I don't like the Carmelo fit at all, really. It, it's – you know, any concern you had about Love and Tristan – Thompson being able to stay on the floor against the Warriors like Carmelo can't guard any of those guys and I mean but I, I just don't see how that right. solves any of their problems so to me they're it seems like an Im- impossible even if you get Paul George and it's Paul George LeBron Kyrie I still don't see how they really stack up with no, the Warriors need so. that fourth guy it's <laughs> <sighs> crazy I the other thing that I've been thinking about almost had rap though the other thing I've been thinking about with regard to LeBron, and this may come as a surprise to you that I was thinking about LeBron James as I laid in bed last night. <laughs> Does this affect Tossing his... and turning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kicking another another sleepless night. Yeah, right. <laughs> Restless. Does it affect LeBron's legacy that he's, whether he succeeds or not, that he's attempting to stack his team like this? Or is it going to be accepted no. as, hey, this is what he needed to do? No. Why would I think people are going to hold it against him. I really do. I think all the haters and the losers out there. It affects his legacy when he has done stuff in the past with regard to personnel moves where it's just a terrible personnel move where he kind of insisted on them going to get some guy regardless of the cost. And like I, I hold it more against him that the Cavs are on the hook for all this money to Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith than I would if he goes out there and pushes for Paul George or Carmelo Anthony. Like those those guys are signed to those deals only because of LeBron James and those are the deals that are preventing them from right. improving this team. Yeah, I mean in in many ways LeBron did get them into this mess. I mean he got way. the heat into a similar mess and then he, he left and now he's gonna get now he's getting <laughs> right. the Cavs into this mess and he's gonna leave. It's a pretty good deal for him because yeah, he can just right. leave and go to a better right. situation. Gonna, it's like, not such a great deal exactly. for the team. I mean have you have you watched this episode of or this season of Fargo? I just finished it two nights ago. Is he kinda like the VM Varga? VM Varga where he takes this this <laughs> Takes over this team, <laughs> just completely like takes, Honestly, it, yes. takes everything, and then just so like, the Cavaliers the are Stussy Lots. Yeah, yeah. He he went to Stussy Lots. He uh, milked it for all it was worth, and then now he's off to another team or another business to take over. That's actually a much better comparison than I thought it was going to be when you, <laughs> when you first said that. Yeah, he's got better teeth than Varga. Yes, better suits. Yes, um, um, but yeah, that's not a that's not a similar bad hair. Have you finished it? Yeah. What did you think? I liked it. I mean, I, I love that show. I, I don't. I haven't really decided how I think it stacks up with the the previous two seasons. Um, I man, it's tough. I, I think that was number three for me, and that's saying a lot. But I think it's probably number three. Um, but I loved. Uh, I loved certain characters. There were some really cool scenes. Um, I mean, it's still better than pretty much anything else on on TV. So yeah. Um, you know, still, still an excellent show. Right. I say that's number three for me with the caveat that season one, I think is my favorite standalone season of television of all time. Interesting. And not that I have this deep knowledge of television. I've never seen the Sopranos. I've never seen Breaking Bad. And those are two. I've never seen the wire. Have you? <laughs> well, to me, it's the best. Now I haven't seen I haven't these seen... other three shows that everyone else <laughs> right. says are the best, but you know, I haven't watched a lot best. of popular television, but you've from seen, what I've seen two detective season one, right? Yeah. Those are okay. the two for me that okay. are right up there. 
I like I like True Detective season one more than any Fargo season, but obviously I like Fargo a lot more as a show that can pump out more than just one good season. I like True Detective season two better than this last season of Fargo. Wow, that's that's Look, tough. That's a tough. That's a that's a really. I thought that was the most underrated season of television because season one set the bar way too high. People came in with these absurd expectations. If those seasons were flipped, and season one or season two of True Detective was season one. People would have loved it, and people would have loved season two even more. Oh, uh, man. Uh, I don't know. I I still haven't finished season two, for the record, because <laughs> I I just pu- I pulled the plug after, like, five episodes. Come on. It got so good. Okay, anything else you want to touch on? Anything NBA-related? Michael Carter-Williams did not get his qualifying offer, so he's going to be unrestricted. That uh. was the big news today. So have you... Um, seeing any of the hot takes out there about people who want to bet on uh, unnamed unnamed RotoWire employee is excited to get to Las Vegas in uh, about ten days and bet on the field against the Warriors to win the title next year. And I think it's I wonder who the that Warriors might be. Are, Warriors are like minus two fifty or something like that. They're they're favorites against all twenty nine other teams again. As they should as be. they should be. So I mean, but like are you taking that bet for the like would you bet on the Warriors right now to, to repeat if you had to I only the, make the these odds dis- were against you. I need a hypothetical gun to my head or I can't think <laughs> clearly. Is there a gun to my head? Um no, there's no good. I, I just can't do it then. I'm All holding right. a case of hams out your window and threaten, threatening to drop it. Oh, that's worse. Uh, okay, <laughs> in, that, in that case, yes, absolutely. I, I'm feeling really clairvoyant all of a sudden. Yeah, I, I, I would bet on the Warriors. I very well may bet on the Warriors when <laughs> I'm out in Vegas in 10 days. Yeah. A trip that you Finally, are, you'll get to go out to Vegas. A trip that <laughs> is mostly paid for by the company and you are inexplicably skipping on your own volition. For unknown reasons. Not only am I skipping it, <laughs> but I'm actually I I just finished making the baseball schedule for July, and I'm going to be on the wire <laughs> multiple days while you guys are out in Vegas. I'll be watching the wire. I'll Facetime you a couple times just to kind of <laughs> make sure you're up to speed on everything. So the Warriors are minus one seventy five. Cleveland's number two at plus three seventy five. Boston's at plus twelve hundred. I mean, it looks pretty similar to what it did what last Spurs? year. Honestly. Spurs are plus twelve hundred. Then it's Houston, L.A. I don't hate the Spurs one. No, I mean depending on what happens, that's. I would say that that's if a, I had to if I had to bet on where that line is in two months, it's probably smaller. Do you think the Spurs with the Spurs at full health last year or the Cavs at full health were be, were the better team? I I genuinely believe the Cavs were. I think they were. I would have loved to see a Spurs Cavs finals. Been such a, damn good finals yeah I that would have been amazing right but. yeah we'll just th- i mean if bogut doesn't get hurt this whole thing is yeah, different and neither team was at full strength the, the spurs had their key injury and started the cap birdman i mean you got to run it back birdman only played a few games <laughs> get healthy and run it back so the timberwolves are at plus five thousand right now is that a huge obvious sucker bet everything other than warriors Cavs, spurs yeah. Is a sucker bet to me. Well, I mean, you could make a case for Boston if you really think they're going to find a way to get Hayward and George. But even then, I don't I, know. I don't, I don't, know don't see. Enough. I would bet, you know, if you hold 
you know, a, a case of beer that I cherish out the window, I would bet my life that the Celtics are not winning. With that. The, the Celtics are not winning the NBA Finals next year. Even if if they added Paul George and Gordon Hayward and didn't lose anybody, I don't think they have a chance. I mean, I think they would have a chance. I have zero chance. See, that's that's what we're kind of losing here is just how good this Cleveland team is that we can talk about a pretty good Boston team adding two all-stars, including one guy who's probably a top 10 player and one guy who's a top 15 player. And we still don't think they would beat the Cavs. What do you think is a fair Paul George offer for the Celtics? If, if you're the Pacers, like what are you saying yes to? Well, first, if you're the Pacers, it depends. And this is why some people think they would want Kevin Love. And that's, if you want to sell to your fans that you're not going into a total rebuild and you're not going to fall off the face of the earth, Kevin Love keeps you relevant. You know, I don't know if they're a playoff team with Love versus George. Probably not, but you're at least going to be relevant. I think the smarter option and the option that the Pacers probably want is the future assets. Boston, I mean, you could devise eight different trades that I think would make sense for both sides. Like, is, is Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier enough? No. I don't think so. Is I wish I had just the, just I wish I had no their picks. Draft, I wish they had their draft picks. Ahead in the front the of Celtics me. have done a great job of convincing everyone that Terry Rozier is I don't a think really he's good. great player. I don't think he's good. I, don't think I he's just bad, think he's, I don't think he's I think he's clearly a guy that they would happily make yeah, second well, they player should. in a deal like that. Well, I apparently mean, they're not happy to do that okay, because they so won't include him in other deals. Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. If you're Indiana, you want one of the picks, right? I think you have to hold out for one of the picks. So what? What are their Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and you can't trade. You can't trade next year's Brooklyn pick. Um, so what else do they have? They have the picks from the Philly trade, right? So um, either you know Sacramento or either the Lakers pick next year if it falls two through five, or the Kings pick, which I believe is top one protected in twenty nineteen. Plus, you have your own picks if you're the Celtics except you don't have your own pick next year, right? Because it's a swap, right, with the Nets? Is it, though? Or no? I think this year was a swap. Okay. Um, I think next year's outright. Then, I mean, I would say if I was them, I would just be holding out for the the Lakers-Kings one because, Mm -hmm. to me, that's something the Celtics might realistically part with. And... There are some weird qualifiers that make it a pretty risky pick to get your hands on, yeah. but there's also a very, very loaded draft next year, and if it falls in the top two or three, then you're getting a guy better than anyone you can trade mm-hmm. for right now. So that's well, the I'd, pick I'd be after. Yeah, LiAngelo Ball I think will probably be available <laughs> outside of the lottery if you have that option. The Spurs are going to take LiAngelo Ball. Oh, and everyone's, Man, yeah, yeah. That, no, that's such a great example. The Spurs will take LiAngelo Ball 29th next year, and people will freak out and oh, say they're the going to Spurs, turn him in. They do oh, it. Uh, how, did, how did everyone leave LiAngelo Ball out there? I would, I would love to see Popovich versus the Ball family. <laughs> Could you imagine? If the Spurs had the number two pick in this past draft, like they would have, they would have crossed Lonzo Ball off the board in was, mid-March. Was Ball on their board at all? Like, no. Yeah, so. that would have been a great test case. He falls to he 28 in the yeah. Spurs pass. On. <laughs> no, like, no. Um, <laughs> what were we even talking about now? We're so off track. Uh, that The okay. Celtics getting well, let's Yeah, let's actually try to make a formulate a real offer. So let's say the Celtics are – the Brooklyn picks off the table. No matter what, they're not trading right. it. I don't think you want to throw in Bradley. You don't want Bradley if you're the Pacers because he's a free agent next year. So that doesn't really help you all that much. You're not winning anything in 2017-18. I mean, he's still – 
you'd still happily take him and then well, flip yeah. him to another team. Sure, but I don't think you're right. you're demanding him. I think would you rather have Tatum or or Jalen Brown? Tatum. Okay, correct. Is Tatum and Marcus Smart and some future? If pick they enough? put Tatum in the deal, I'll do the deal right now. Like if if it's just Tatum, like if it's just Tatum for Paul George, I'll do that deal right now. If I'm Indiana, interesting. I don't that, think you're getting a player that good in yeah. that for Paul George. So you think Boston would much rather part with Jalen Brown than Tatum? Yes. Okay, I think that's true. I think that's how it should be. Right. I I, I think Boston J- really likes Jalen. Jalen Brown. Brown's extremely like uh like they have they have so many guys that are just like Mm -hmm. wing guard multiple positions and if you're bringing in gordon hayward and if you're bringing paul george Jalen brown might like play fewer minutes than he played this past year in in that scenario so you don't need him at all that's what makes me think that eventually boston will cave on some sort of trade because you you have crowder for multiple years not like he's coming off the books anytime soon you have tatum who's just beginning his rookie deal you have Jalen brown who's in the second year of his rookie Mm -hmm. deal like at some point, you have this issue that we've talked about all year with Boston where, like, how many guys can you really develop at once? I think the guys that they would get rid of almost without blinking are smart if for Paul George. Like, smart, Jalen Brown, Rozier, uh, their, their pick next year. I mean, all four of those assets, I think, are just – extremely available mm-hmm. in a paul george trade i think talking them into that that lakers kings pick i think is doable i think talking them into jason tatum is going to be really tough so to me that's why the you know one like maybe marcus smart and that that kings lakers pick something like that to me is mm-hmm. realistic i don't think i don't think you can get jalen brown and that kings lakers pick and if you could, I would I would jump on that too. Yeah, I think if you're Indiana, that that's what would probably do it. Right. I mean, you'd rather have that than Kevin Love, even though Kevin Love yeah. is a better player you, than either you, of those. You still assets. have a young, controllable player mm-hmm. with upside that you can have fun with this year while you're waiting right. to see what happens with that. Pick. I think that's a very easy sell to the fan base, and I also don't think it's that big of a concern as like a fan revolt. Like we've gotten to the point now where I feel like if you're a Pacers fan you couldn't really fault management like it would all you would blame paul george you wouldn't fault your management for trading him right okay i think that wraps it up um you and i'll try to talk again next week before the old vegas trip uh free agency starts on saturday at 1201 a.m so come monday or tuesday hopefully we'll have plenty to talk about